Upward family, so great to see you all today. Did you get enough to eat this weekend? I'm not going to preach the promised sermon on gluttony today but because I'm guilty, but uh, it's been a great Thanksgiving. Welcome to the start of Christmas at Upward. We're so excited for this season. It truly is, in my opinion, the most wonderful time of year when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We're excited about everything going on in our church family over the Christmas season. Next week is going to be our Christmas offering. It is the biggest offering of the year because we give every bit of it away. So I want you to be prepared to give your biggest offering starting on Thursday and all next weekend. We give 100% of it away. This year we're giving it to one of our strategic ministry partners in the community called Thrive. And Thrive has a wonderful ministry in, in all kinds of ways. They help people dealing with mental health issues. And you know that's a huge need in our world today. They help people struggling with homelessness. And one of the things we heard is that so many families in our community just need maybe one rent payment or one mortgage payment just to get them through the holidays to save their home, and we're going to help. So we're partnering with Thrive. We believe we're going to be able to help between 75 and 100 families at Christmas keep their homes and make a payment so that they can stay in their homes. Aren't you excited about that? I really am. So... Uh, 100% of everything next week, no overhead at all, 100% of it goes to bless the work of Thrive, to bless families struggling with housing crisis. So be prepared to give, make it your biggest offering of the year because it's a joy to be able to help families in the community. We're also excited about Christmas Eve coming up. Christmas Eve, we have great services this year. Last year, we had such a great time that we packed the house out two times. This year, we're going to have three services on Christmas Eve. I don't know what we're going to do. We may have 10 one year, but we're having three this year, and we're going to celebrate big. Uh, there's going to be food. There's going to be fun. We're going to have carriage rides outside, just like we did last year. It's going to be so fun. You're going to come in. It's going to snow here. Whether it snows or not, you're going to see some snow on Christmas Eve. We're having carriage rides. We're going to present Jesus. Uh, they, the theme this year is Once Upon a Time, and we're going to tell the greatest story ever told using some contemporary stories and it's going to be a lot of fun and people are going to come to know Jesus. So we have three services, uh, one at 2 p.m., one at 3.30 p.m., and one at 5 p.m., three services. Please make your plans. You don't want to miss Christmas Eve here at Upward. So today we start our Christmas series and we've entitled it Peace on Earth. It is the message that the angels brought to the shepherds when Jesus was born it is a much-needed message in our world today. How can we find peace on earth? And to answer that question, we're going to walk through Luke's, the, the gospel writer Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ, and we're going to learn how we can find peace on earth. Now, I want to walk through this story in a different way. We're, we're all about seeing the nativity scenes out and about. Anybody enjoy seeing those? My mom collected nativity scenes. She had, uh, I was at their house this weekend, and she's got nativity scenes all over the house, and uh, she collected those. She went home to be with Jesus this year, so we're looking at nativity scenes with a little ache in our heart, but also a lot of joy. You see those beautiful nativity scenes, and the scene looks so peaceful, doesn't it? All the figurines are smiling. There's a nice, pleasant cow sitting there. There's a nice donkey who, even the donkey looks happy. 
I've never actually seen a donkey look like that, but in the nativity scene, everything's happy, everything's clean. There's all kind of clean hay laying around. There's like starlight from heaven or the glory of God from heaven shining down on it. We sing songs about it that make it sound like the nicest place on earth. Silent, you don't want me to sing, but silent night. We sing that holy night, oh little town of Bethlehem. And we just get this warm, fuzzy feeling of sitting by the fire and uh, just enjoying that beautiful, peaceful scene. Let me tell you, it's wonderful that we can enjoy it that way, but the people that had to go through it didn't feel quite that way. The people who had to live out that nativity scene didn't exactly feel like it was the most peaceful moment of their lives. In fact, they hurt a whole lot. Joseph and Mary, in fact, when they went to the stable, more likely a cave, for Jesus to be born, they were experiencing prejudice and rejection. They had actually been cast aside and the birth of their precious child was accompanied by a sense of being pushed aside and rejected. We're going to get into the story from the perspective of the people who actually lived it out and learn how we can find peace on earth through this account of the birth of Jesus. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read the first six verses. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 says, At that time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. What can we learn from this scene about how to have peace on earth? I want to look at it today from Mary's perspective. I want you to understand, some people elevate Mary to a position far beyond what she was. Other people kind of demote Mary as an overcorrection and don't really give Mary the credit she deserves. She is one of the most godly, blessed people who ever lived. I want you to put yourself in her shoes for just a minute. She is a godly young lady. She is a teenager, very likely, at the time. And she's at home, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to her. And an angel makes to her this incredible promise. He says, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you, and you are going to find yourself with a child. This has never happened before in world history and never happened since. But God is going to place a baby in your womb, and this child is your nation's long-anticipated Messiah, the one you've been praying for and looking for and seeking all your life. The Messiah is going to be born, and you're going to be his mother. Imagine what an honor that would feel like, that the Messiah comes through you. This had been promised way back. We talked about it a few weeks ago. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said, from your seed is going to come one who will destroy the head of the devil forever. And the angel tells Mary, 
this is going to be your child. Imagine how she felt. Now, I believe that Mary had a choice in this. I don't believe God ever put something on us and just says, hey, uh, here's your assignment, you're just going to have to take it. I believe God gave her a choice. She could have said no. But what did she say? Luke recorded it in chapter 1. In chapter 1 and verse 38, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. That's a good thing to say. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. I mean, that's a, that's a tremendous prayer that every one of us should probably pray every day. God, I am your servant today. May everything that you've said about me come true. Because everything they're saying about me is not going to come true. I just thought I'd throw this in for free today. This is free. This is bonus material. Everything the devil said about me is not coming true. But Lord, because I'm your servant, everything you've said about me, may it come true. So Mary accepted this blessing and this promise into her life. But I want you to understand, God's promises can create some real problems in your life. And this blessing from God didn't always feel like a blessing to Mary. This blessing could have actually stolen her peace. We often think of blessing as these wonderful things that come into our lives and they just make everything better. We think God's going to bless us and everything's going to be calm. That God's going to bless us and we're not going to stress over it. But I want you to understand this. This blessing that came into Mary's life caused her tons of problems. First of all, the timing seems a little off because uh, she's, she's just engaged Let that sink in. She's she's engaged to a man to be married, and she shows up pregnant. And this was a terrible thing in her community. This was something that happened to her life. She was at risk of losing her community, of being sent away to another town. At best, she was going to lose her community. At worst, she could have lost her life. If it had been made public in her community and the religious leaders had decided to do so, it is possible that Mary may have been stoned. For on the outward appearances to her community, this did not look like a blessing from God. This looked like, well, you know what it looks like. Just imagine a little girl in Henderson County coming up pregnant, and it happens all the time. And the church is called to minister compassion, not judgment to people that go through that. Amen. We're called to help people that do that. Before you point a finger at anybody else, remember you've done some things too. Can I get an amen? Can remember you're a failure too outside of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. But just imagine. Imagine you're engaged to somebody and they show up pregnant and you know that that's not your baby. And she says, oh well, an angel appeared to me. An angel appeared to me and said that this baby was the Messiah. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, right. That's what the community is going to say. This blessing called her, caused her all kinds of awkwardness in her life. Then the other thing that bugs me about this is that she was forced to travel a great distance when she's nine months pregnant. She's about to have this baby, and all of a sudden the census comes up. The Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, by the way, he's the grandnephew of Julius Caesar. He becomes Caesar after uh, Julius Caesar's assassination leads to him uh, becoming emperor. 
he decides that he wants to tax the Roman Empire. And they had two purposes for this. Number one, uh, they, they registered everybody. When they registered everybody, there were two purposes. Number one, to register uh, young men for the draft. Uh, military conscription, I can't speak this morning, conscription was a, a part of this registry. The Jews, by the way, were not subject to being drafted into the Roman army. But the Jews, like everybody else, had to pay their taxes. And that was the second purpose of a Roman registry, was to get everybody signed up to pay taxes. Imagine that. The emperor makes a decree and says, you've got to pay your taxes... And then by Jewish tradition, they all had to travel to their ancestral home and David, who Jesus was a descendant of, to fulfill messianic prophecy. David was born and came and was raised from Bethlehem. It was the original city of David. So they had to travel and Mary had to go with him to go this long journey to Bethlehem to sign up to be taxed. Nobody likes taxes anyway. Nobody likes governmental decrees either. I'm glad we live in a free nation. Amen. We need to live in... You aren't so excited about that, are you? But I am. We need to live in such a way to keep it that way. I'm going to throw in one other thing for free. When they signed uh, the Constitution, Benjamin Franklin went out. This is absolutely extra credit. It has nothing to do with the rest of the message. You'll figure that out. He walked out and a lady said to him, do we have a republic, Dr. Franklin? He said, yes, if you can keep it. So just pack that away and hang on to it. Now we're going to go on. You ready for me to move on now? (laughs) They had to travel to go register to pay taxes. And this was quite a good trip. It was was a three-day journey, at least three days and three nights from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So... Mary had to travel, likely on a donkey, and they had to possibly camp out one or two nights. Let me just tell you, I'm not up for camping trips anyway. I honestly don't understand why tents exist. They have absolutely no purpose in my life. Because we live in a day when we have hotels everywhere with running water, and if you want to go out and sleep on the ground, you go right ahead. Just let me know when the... I'll see you at the breakfast buffet. <laughs> but Mary, nine months pregnant, she's got to camp out a couple of nights and travel. You know, uh, airlines in our country don't even want you to travel if you're, if you're pregnant in over 36 weeks. If you're in your last four weeks of pregnancy, they often won't even let you travel. But somehow Mary has to travel And all this is supposed to be according to God's plan. I want you to hear this, first of all. God's plans are often disruptive. They will mess with your life. We we sometimes live under the illusions that God's blessings over our lives come in these nice, neat little packages that fit into our schedule, that fits into our plan, that fits into all our agendas. But I just want you to know, when God blesses you, it can mess up all of your plans. If you don't handle them properly, God's blessings can even rob you of your peace or your decision not to handle them properly can steal your peace away. God's plans are often disruptive. But I want you to hear this secondly. God's plans are always perfect. 
It's so hard for me, friends, to live in between the disruption and the perfection. You know what I'm talking about? Any of you at that moment right now, kind of in your lives, you're like, God, I'm, I'm trying to follow you here. By the way, you ever open your prayer with that? That's my opening line to the Lord quite often. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> I'm doing my best down here. I'm trying to follow you. You ever pray, Lord, I'm trying to follow you here, and I believe you're getting my life on track, and as soon as I do the right thing, this hits. And it feels like you're not paying attention. Is it just me? Can I see some hands out there? I see those hands all over. Did everybody raise their hand? That's really good. That's a record. Um, God, I'm trying to do my best, and it just seems like you're not paying attention. God, I'm doing the best I can, but it just seems like your timing is horrible. Mary's like, what? We got to go where? Joseph, do you not realize where I'm at right now? I'm about to have this baby. I can't go on a six-day round trip to Bethlehem. Oh, well, honey, there's a nice little inn there where I know we can stay. Uh-uh. It just seems like God's timing is an absolute mess. There are times, friends, we've got to live in between the disruptions of God's plan and the perfection that we see looking back. Looking back on my life, I can see what God was doing. Can I get an amen? Looking back on my life, I look at so many things. I look at some things that I wanted and God didn't give me, and I was mad at the time, and I look back saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You spared me for something I, from something that I really thought was good for me. Looking back, it makes a lot of sense. But when we're in the middle of the disruption, man, it's hard. I just want to challenge and encourage you today with this. Even though his plans are disruptive, his plans are always perfect. And if you follow him and you trust him, one day you're going to look back on this and say, man, God was faithful. God was there for me. His plans are perfect. Number one, Jesus was born at the perfect time. I always think God has a bad sense of timing looking forward. Looking back, I see his plans were perfect. Galatians, Paul wrote this about the birth of Jesus. He said, Paul wrote, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. In the King James, it said, When the fullness of time was come. I think it says it a little better. When everything fell into place, at the very perfect time, Jesus was born. Now, one of the things that's important to note about Luke's account Many people, when they read the Christmas story in Luke, they say, that is just a beautiful legend. But it's important for you to understand that Luke did not write it as a legend. He wrote it as a historical account. Luke didn't open this, this uh, chapter 2 saying, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> nope. When you see that, you know it's fiction. Luke didn't say, once upon a time, and they all live happily ever after. That's a fable. Luke said this, during the time of Caesar Augustus, 
when Quirinius took his first census. This is an actual date that they could go back and look up. And this is one of the ways we accurately date the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke's saying, this really happened. If you're going to engage the Scripture at all, some of you may be here, some of you may be watching online, and you still think the Scriptures are a myth or a fable. Here's the thing you need to understand. I'm not going to beat you up with that, because if that's where you are in your journey, keep on journeying, and we're going to encourage you closer in your journey. But you better understand this, that the people that wrote it did not write it as a book of fairy tales. They wrote it as actual events of actual people. They even put in the names of people that were still alive when these, these works were published so people could go back and check on them. They recorded historical events. Luke said, this really happened. And it happened at the perfect time. Why was it the perfect time? Well, if you wanted to start a movement in world history, you could not have picked a better time to begin it. First of all, there was a common language for the first time since Babel. There was a language that had spread all over the world due to the conquest of Alexander the Great. The Greek language, which the New Testament is written in a, in a form of Greek called Koine Greek, which means common. Which means trade had moved all around the world and Greek was spreading all over the world. Why is that important, preacher? If you're going to spread a message, you need to all be speaking the same language. The Greek culture had unified the world in large part due to language. It was the perfect time for Jesus to come. Why was it also... In a, give me another one, Pastor. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because there's more. The Roman Empire was at its height. In terms of geography and in terms of, of land that they actually were over, it had spread its furthest. It never got bigger after that. Before or since, it was at its height at the time when Jesus was born. The Romans were famous for building roads. We need them to come here. Sorry, I got to throw in a jab at that every day now. Travel was facilitated by Roman roads. The message could go forth like never before. You see, to Mary, it looked like terrible timing. God put Jesus on this earth at the perfect time. Can I tell you, it may seem like God is slow, but He knows things that we don't know. He sees things that we cannot see. And his plan is far deeper than any of us can experience or understand individually. He's got it under control. He's got your situation under control. Amen. His timing is perfect. So Jesus was born in the perfect time. Jesus was also born in the very perfect place. You've heard the song, Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Why is it so important that Bethlehem was uh, the place where he was born. Many, many years before Jesus was born, the Old Testament prophet Micah prophesied, and it was well known throughout Israel where the Messiah would actually be born. In, in the book of Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, he said, oh, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. You're just a small town, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. 
the Jews understood this to mean that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now imagine a skeptic of Jesus, a religious scholar and a skeptic. Jesus comes on the scene and he's performing miracles. He's changing lives, open blind eyes, raise dead people. People are gathering to him saying, this man must be the Messiah. And some smart aleck religious leader said, wait a minute, he comes from Nazareth. You know, the statement in Israel at the time were that Nazarenes were no good. Excuse me, I have a friend from Nazareth sitting right back there today, and I love him, and he's good. Really. But in the Jewish world, when, when Nathaniel heard Jesus came from Nazareth, he said, can any good thing come out of that town? When Joseph and Mary went to the inn, I'm already getting into next week, they spoke with a Nazarene accent. They said, y'all, y'all got any room in this place? How many of you have traveled to other places? How many of you Southerners? Not everybody here is a Southerner. There are so many Michigan sweatshirts here today. Where did all the Michigan come from? I'm just telling you, so many, and online as well. But those of us Southerners, when we go up somewhere else and we start talking, people are like, where are you from? Where did you come from? Joseph and Mary experienced that at the end, and they were pushed aside. But just imagine somebody saying, yeah, this Jesus, you're claiming he's the Messiah, but uh, he's a Nazarene. I got you on that one. He's a Nazarene. And the, uh, if you'll look over in the book of Micah, you'll find that the Messiah actually comes from Bethlehem. Then his assistant comes up to him and said, wait a minute, sir, we have a problem. Little known fact here, but uh, Jesus' uh, mom and dad, they're actually of the house of David. And if you remember the year of the census, when everybody had to go to their hometowns, guess what, sir? The census actually fell when his mother was nine months pregnant. And they actually had to make a journey to Bethlehem to register for the tax and the draft. And... Uh, Jesus was actually born in a stable in Bethlehem. They were only there a short time, but while they were there, he was born. So actually, technically, he could be the Messiah because he actually was born in Bethlehem. I could do a teaching for you, and I might do it someday, to prove to you from the Scriptures that how Jesus Christ is the only person ever born on earth who could have been the Messiah. Hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled of him being born in Bethlehem. Mary had to make a trip, but it was done to fulfill prophecy so that the world would know God put his stamp on this man and says, he is my son, my only begotten son, and he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Born at the perfect time, born in the perfect place. What does this mean for me, preacher? How do I find peace in the midst of trouble? Well, I want you to hear me. Peace is not found through our circumstances. Peace is not found through money in the bank. 
Peace is not found through all your family being with no problems. There's the thing God's saying to us today. Peace is only found in Him. Peace is only found in Him. I visited a nursing home many years ago and I talked with an older lady. She was dying. I was with her one day and she was, they called, I, I visited her as a part of a ministry from the school I was in and they called me and said, please come see her. She's not going to make it through the afternoon. I spent a Sunday afternoon holding her hand and she kept saying, I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it. And I asked her, I said, what are you looking for? She, she looked me in the eye and she said, I'll never forget it, she said, peace. Peace. She survived that day. And I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. And let me just tell you something. You don't win people to Jesus because you explain it well or you're clever about it. The gospel contains the power, not you. And I simply shared the simple gospel of Jesus Christ from John chapter 4. I said, Jesus said, if any man drinks the water he gives, he'll never thirst again. And she said, I want to drink from that water. I said, take me by the hand and pray with me. And I led her through a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. Very simple. There were no fireworks. She prayed the prayer. And I came back to visit her the next week. And she looked at me. She said, Andy. I said, what? She said, I found it. She said, for the first time. She was in her 80s. She said, for the very first time in all of my life, I have found peace. She died shortly after that. She's in heaven today. Peace. You'll never find it down here. You'll never find it when the calendar's working out perfectly. You'll never find it just when the bills are paid. You can have your bills paid and mansion after mansion and car after car and more money than you can ever spend and have no peace. If peace could be found in those things, why do people who are millionaires, still deal with drug rehab and everything else. Peace can only be found in Him. When you find Him, you'll find peace. How do I live in the midst of the disruptions of God's blessings and the uncertainty? i got to be honest with you all, I'm just not sure what God's up to right now. Put it this way, I think I know what his goals are because I can read that in the scripture. I do know this, in the end, everything's going to be okay. And in the end, people who know him are going to live in heaven forever. And until then, he's going to bless us and provide for us and use us to manifest his kingdom. But not everything's working out just like I thought it would. Here's what I know. He sees me and he sees you. He knows right where you are. He knows what's in your bank account or what's not. He knows what your calendar is. He knows everything that's going on in your life to a deeper level than you'll ever know. He's got a plan for it all. If you'll follow him, you'll look back and see the perfection of it. Wonderful verse I've been memorizing. I've known it for a long time, but I have to keep saying it. By the way, are, do you do Bible memory? Anybody here?
Make it a practice to memorize verses of the Bible. It's one of the greatest things you can do. I want to recommend an app to you. Get out your phone. Some of you got it out already. You can take out your phone right now. It's sanctioned right now. You've been reading the Bible with me, taking notes. That's fine. We joke about it. There's an app called the Bible Memory app. It's one of the greatest apps I've ever seen for memorizing the Bible. I've been using it a whole lot lately to grow and to memorize the Scripture. It's free, too. I'm not, and I'm not making any money off this. This is not a paid endorsement, as are none of my endorsements. <laughs> They're all free. Bible memory. If uh, you can't find it, see me, and I'll show you what it looks like. Here's what my assignment would be to you this week. Would you memorize two verses of Scripture with me this week? Here they are, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's when I get in trouble. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And you trust with His perfect plan. He will direct your paths. Peace through trusting in His perfect plan. Amen. That's the way to live your life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you today. Thank you for loving us in such a great way. Thank you, Jesus, for changing our lives. Every day we get to see it. Every day we get to experience it. Father, thank you that today, right here in this baptismal tank, we saw children giving their lives to you. Children that will not have to face some of the things we did because they'll serve you all the days of their lives. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. Father, I pray this morning for many here who don't quite understand what you're doing. They know you're doing something, but they just don't see it all. And I pray, God, that they would just simply today take a deep breath say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you another day. I'm not going to walk in my own understanding of the situation. I'm going to trust you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many here today would just say, no fear, we're not going to embarrass you today, but you would just say this, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ today. Can I see your hand really quick, really quick? We won't embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. Saw a hand over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today, I surrender. I give you my life. I turn away from my sin. And I run to you for forgiveness, for mercy, for cleansing. And today, you're my Savior and my Lord. I'm a new person from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand to your feet and rejoice this morning over those who are saying yes to Jesus, amen. Bless you this morning. I'm going to speak blessing over you. Would you lift your hands to receive? I'm going to speak 
uh, one of my favorite messianic prophecies about the servant, suffering servant Jesus. It'll bless your heart. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Now go out of this place. I send you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus known everywhere you go in his name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.